Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, the Bible says, For if after, notice after, the word after, he's talking about apostate, false teachers, and false prophets in this chapter. This whole chapter is dedicated to exposing them and promises that they will receive damnation. Chapter 2, 2 Peter, verse 1 through 3. Now at the end of the chapter, the apostle Peter, he wasn't a pope. There's no such thing as a pope in the kingdom of Christ. He was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. He writes this by the inspiration of the Spirit, for if after, notice after, they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are again, notice the word again, entangled therein and overcome, the latter end, is worse with them than the beginning. Now, the average person knows exactly what this is saying. It's saying exactly what it's saying. Now, the once saved, always saved, eternal security crowd is going to try to do acrobats with this. But I would ask them this, as I've done thousands of times. Notice this verse, 2 Peter 2.24, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice they're going to say, oh, that was just a head knowledge. Wait a minute. If it was just a head knowledge, how did they escape the pollutions of this sinful world? In possible. They're not being honest as usual because they don't really care what the Bible says. They want to remain hidden behind this sham of a lie that's going to cost them their eternal soul. Verse 21, 2 Peter 2, for it had been better for them not to have known. Now, why would he say this if they didn't really know him? Absolutely, he wouldn't. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after, there it is again, they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. How can you turn from something that you didn't? possessed that you didn't have. Verse 22, but it has happened unto them. According to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. There it is again. And the sow or the pig that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. We're talking about the damning myth of an unconditional eternal security, which is absolutely mythology. It's the first lie ever told by Satan to the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden, and it led to their fall. God said that if you sinned against me, because remember, saints, God is holy, 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 and that's never going to change. And by the way, he said, you be holy as I am holy. Notice God is triplicate holy, holy, Holy. That's the only time any one of his divine attributes, of the many of them, was ever stated in triplicate three times in a row, but not only once, twice, once in the Old Testament and once in the New. God is trying to get something across to you and I. 
He's holy, holy, holy. He dwelleth in a light that no man can approach, 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He said to you and I, be ye holy, for I am holy. When's the last time you heard that preached or read or just stated? We're still accountable. We don't depend on preachers. We depend on God ourselves. We study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. It takes work. Rightly dividing the word of the truth. The only way you're going to do that is to honestly, organically, and thoroughly study the Bible. We've got some posts on safeguardyoursoul.com called Hot Bible Study, H-O-T. A couple of them on there. Absolutely riveting. I highly recommend them. By the way, if you click the audios button on the site, safeguardyoursoul.com, you're going to get hundreds of Christ-centered, scripture-rich podcasts, radio programs, etc. for your edification in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do pray that if you're listening to this message and you've been born again, that God would bless you to grow in his grace. Amen. And that you would learn to cry, Jesus, you must increase, but I must decrease today. And deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus and let him reign in your life. And that's when all the blessings of God are going to begin to unfold and to pour from heaven as he raises you up out of that dead state. Isn't it amazing that we've got so much victory and blessings being taught with no cross? Folks, that is a lie from hell. There'll be no raising up and blessing from God unless you do things his way. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow him, you must deny yourself. Don't esteem or lift up or promote yourself. That's satanic. That's full of pride. He's the God, the king over all the children of pride. Job 41. So he said, he's holy, holy, holy. And he said, be ye holy, for I am holy, one holy for us, because we'll never be holy as he is. But he said, be holy. Learn what that means, saints. We've got a whole category on holiness on safeguardyoursoul.com. If you click the category drop-down menu. So the damning myth of unconditional, notice unconditional eternal security. First of all, salvation to appropriate and receive it is not unconditional. Otherwise, everybody's saved. Very simple deduction from what we know from Scripture. Everybody's not saved. Why? They won't repent and believe. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Luke 13, 3. Acts 16, 31. And then Acts 20, 21 brings them all together, both of them together. See, as you learn Scripture, it's going to fill in the gaps of your understanding and your study of Christ and salvation. We call it soteriology. We've got a post called soteriology. It has that word in the title. It's a Greek word for salvation. So Acts 20.21 says, repentance, quote, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're turning from your own way. You're repenting. And so that's initial salvation. Your conditions, the ones God gave you, don't change from there. He still calls you not to work for your salvation. A lot of the scammers, the once saved, always saved heretics, lunatics in many cases, they want to say, well, let's work salvation. No, it's not work salvation. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. But here's the difference. You got to believe to the end to be saved. You got to endure in what? Faith to the end. And if you got faith, it's always going to produce the fruit of good works. The fruit and the works don't save you. But they're evidence that you have true saving faith. We've got many articles and podcasts on this topic about the correlation of grace and faith and what it looks like in the life of the believer. So hell awaits 
those who die in sin. Doesn't matter if they were saved in the past. In fact, we just read in the end of Second Peter 2 that it's going to be worse with those that once knew the Lord and then turned from serving him. They're going to hell and it's going to be worse. There are degrees of punishment in hell, Jesus taught, about the many stripes. I believe it was either Luke 12 or 16. He's talking about suffering and hell being even more severe on some depending on the way they live their life on earth. So you think that you're eternally secure, I might ask. Who told you that lie? God didn't. Jesus and his apostles never once said, quote, you're once saved, always saved. See, these churches get these people to say a prayer, and some of them actually truly get saved, obviously. But then they tell them, you're once saved, always saved, dude. You can never. And they make this a part, an integral part, of the gospel, which makes their gospel a false gospel, because the scripture never teaches that you once saved. Oh, I'm sorry, 27 books in this New Testament canon. Not once do we see Jesus or his apostles saying, hey, dude, you once saved, don't we save? Really? Jesus said to his own, they, he warned him, full disclosure, you're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endured to the end the same shall be saved. Matthew 10, 22, Matthew 24. When the love of many is waxing cold and iniquity is abounding, he said, you got to endure to the end to be saved. Like it or not, folks, all seven of the churches Jesus spoke to in Revelation 2 and 3, the New Testament churches, he told them they have to be overcome. Wait a minute. He's talking to believers. Of course, he's talking to believers. He wouldn't tell a lost person you got to overcome. They got to get saved first. He's telling them they've got to overcome every one of the seven. Again, not one mention of eternal security, once saved, always saved. Not one time. I mean, I'm sorry. Did God forget to tell us something that we needed to know? That would be a first. The answer is a resounding, no, he didn't forget. That's not something he instituted or that he holds as a truth. The one saved, always saved is the doctrine of Satan. Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.17 and 3.4. Irrefutably, Satan added one three-letter word. You got to watch what people are adding and subtracting, folks. And you're not going to know what they're adding and subtracting if you're not in the word of God for yourself. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Notice Paul. There were some believers that got saved. Here he is in the city of Lystra. And notice what it says. Confirming the souls of the disciples, that is, after they got saved, and exhorting them to continue in the faith. See, the Bible teaches initial and final salvation. You've got to endure to the end in faith. Amen. And that faith's going to be obedient if it's real. Because faith without works is dead. James didn't contradict. James just told you what faith really looked like. If it doesn't have good works... The fruit of good works, it's not real saving faith. Get over it. The only people that rebel against that are the absolute rebels who are Christ deniers and don't want anything to do with a relationship with Jesus on the earth. They just want to use him to try to get to heaven. But they're kidding nobody but themselves, just like the five foolish virgins who Jesus, the great bridegroom, shut out of the bridal chamber of eternal glory. They had been engaged to the bridegroom, by the way, but they weren't blessed to go through with the marriage, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? Because they didn't endure to the end. They didn't go all the way to the wedding, the marriage. And so they lost everything. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Argue with it. By the way, you're arguing with God. You can do that if you want. I'm not going to join you. Notice Acts 14, 22. Here's the apostle Paul who wrote near half of the, the New Testament canon. Where did Paul say you're eternally secure? 
He didn't. You're adding to the word of God and you are a heretic. Repent now. You're going to perish if you don't. You're lying to yourself and others. And the Bible says right here in Second Peter 2 that false teachers and false prophets are going to have damnation. Well, brother, I don't have a church. Come on, man. If you're teaching one person, you're misleading them with this lie. You're a false teacher. You've already misled yourself. Notice confirming, Paul says, the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Oh, wait a minute. Why would he tell them that? You know, these once saved, always saved heretics. Oh, they can't believe that there would be any requirements at all to maintain a relationship with Jesus. Let's say you are married, sir. Do you have any requirements to stay married to your wife? You go out and commit adultery and see what happens. You abandon her. Those are clauses or those are deal breakers in marriage biblically. God's not forced to keep you in his kingdom. Shut up, repent, and obey God and stop with all the foolishness, human reasoning and rebellion. So notice he says he confirmed the souls of the disciples and exhorted them to not to know they're once saved, always saved. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Acts 14, 22, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through. Notice the warning, just exactly what Jesus said. The two parts of Matthew 10, 22 that I quoted a minute ago. Jesus said, you're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. We see the same doctrine of Christ that simply means the doctrine Jesus gave and his apostles and the other writers of the New Testament expounded upon and placed in the additional writings after the Gospels. And so Paul tells them that they need to continue in the faith that's synonymous with enduring to the end and that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God, which is synonymous with you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. These are sister verses here, Matthew 10, 22 and Acts 14, 22, both 22s on the verses, Matthew 10, 22, Acts 14, 22. So Paul didn't say, dude, you guys are saved, man, you can do whatever you want. Most of the eternal security people don't say that, but it leads to that because it robs the fear of God out of the hearts of men. Like it or not, that is absolutely a truth. So Colossians also, speaking of final salvation, by the way, we got a book called Lie of the Ages, highly recommended. It's a 730-page blockbuster, and it deals extensively with, in Scripture with this truth about not only initial but final salvation and the absolute imperative, it's an essential, of enduring to the end. Paul says in Colossians 1, 23, if you continue, he's talking about how Jesus died for us to present you holy, verse 22. That's what kind of church he's going to present to himself, folks. It's all over the Bible. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but one that is holy and without blemish, without the stain of sin. How does that equal once saved, always saved? So you got saved, you're living in sin, and you're still going to heaven? That's not the word of God. That's the contradiction of it. Complete contradiction. Listen, the last time sin was found in heaven, it was kicked out. God knows everything. You can't fool him. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever, amen. So at that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. He's going to present his body his bridegroom, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, without the stain of sin. Let's just get honest, folks. If I've got any sin on my record right now, what's the problem? Does Jesus's blood not run rich and full and free to cleanse me at the right hand of the Father? It sure does. It's available. 
He says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Doesn't matter what you did. You can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you've been born again, you have a relationship with Jesus. But if I've still got sin in my life, I haven't confessed it. I haven't gotten honest. I haven't gone to the Lord. Listen, don't keep a short list. Keep no list. And the only reason why you wouldn't be doing that is because you have a darkness in your heart. We're to pray, as Jesus said, he spoke of having no part dark. Luke 11, have no part dark. Anybody not crying out to God to circumcise their heart, to purify their hearts, to give them a heart of flesh is backslidden. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Somebody says, brother, you don't know. I've done a lot of bad stuff. Well, join the club. I don't know a Christian that had to some degree before and after they were saved, but that none of your sin is greater than the blood of Jesus. And if you're making it that, you're putting it as an idol above the cross of the blood of Jesus Christ. Repent now and take God at his word. If we confess our sins, those born again, if we confess our sins, that is in repentance, you're returning to the Lord. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you continue in the faith, so he's going to present Colossians 1, 22 and 23, a body that is holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If here's a condition, boy, the devils don't like the conditions, do they? They get to holler and these little cowards, they claim to be Christians. Don't talk about the cross or anything like that. Boy, they're going to come unglued and start throwing. It's kind of like the satanic liberals, we call them. The communists is more like what they are, Satan's children. As soon as you throw facts out there, these are facts that are irrefutable. They're going to say, oh, you're a racist. See, these guys are the same way. But the only thing different is that they're going to say, you're work salvation. You're a legalist. That's what the Bible says here, folks. This is what it says. If you continue, it's a condition. If you continue in the faith, grounded, not shallow, but grounded deep and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Colossians 1, 22 and 23. Folks, we're talking about and refuting the damning myth of an unconditional eternal security. That would mean that in the definition that it's used among the heretics of our day, that there's no conditions for going to heaven once you're saved initially. Lie from hell. It simply doesn't matter how popular a preacher is, folks. If he's teaching Satan's first lie that caused the fall of the human race in the Garden of Eden, it led to their sin because Satan added one three-letter word. He said, you shall not surely die. God said, if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2:17 and 3:4. Well, we know what Genesis 3 is. It's Satan casting down on the word of God and adding one three-letter word to it. And it led to the fall of man and it was vanquished from the presence of God because he's holy, holy, holy. Doesn't matter if you understand or agree with that or know it. It's still the truth. It's a fact. So if somebody's teaching Satan's first lie that caused the fall of man. He's a false teacher. The book of Jude addresses that. He says, we must earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints and against who? Against these once saved, always saved folk. Listen to this, verse four, Jude one, for there are certain men crept in unawares. They're undetected. They seem like they're one of us who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Notice ungodly men. 
How do we know they're ungodly? Here it is. Here's what, how you know them. They're turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness or a license for sin. And that's exactly what once saved, always saved, is designed by Satan to do. To turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means license for sin. Excuse for sin. No, that's not how it is in God's kingdom. Denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you mean, brother? They're going to say they deny Jesus out loud out of the mouth? No, they're denying his teachings. Therefore, they're denying him. That's how it happens. They've crept in unawares, undetected, because a lot of people don't realize this. They think, well, they didn't stand up there and curse Jesus. No, they're denying him by not teaching what he taught. They're adding to the Bible. And not only are they adding to it, they're introducing something we have in the Bible that is of Satan. His tricks are never new. The things he tempts people with are common to man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And what do you mean by that? Well, all the way in the Garden of Eden, this lie is taught. And he's still teaching. He has no new tricks. And again, these popular teachers that teach this falsehood, of course he's popular. The Bible says there'd be a great falling away in the last days that we now live in. That says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure. That is, hold themselves accountable to sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So they don't hold themselves accountable to sound doctrine. That's why they run to these little pansies in the pulpit and sit under their ministry and love their little church. Uh, we got another post on safeguardyoursoul.com called something like the I love my church deception. So many people running around today claiming to be Christians and all they, they can't say I love Jesus. How many times have you heard that lately? I love the Lord Jesus or something like that. No, it's all about I love my church. Why? They're serving the church, not Christ. Friends, you got to endure to the end to be saved into glory. Just like Jesus taught throughout his teachings, including the parable of the ten virgins. Only five made it in. They were all engaged to the bridegroom, but only five made it in. The fact of the matter, biblically, is that you will be saved and eternally secure when you get to heaven and not before. The big question is, are you enduring sound doctrine? Are you obeying the sound doctrine of Scripture? Studying it yourself. Don't tell me you're following Jesus and you don't have time. Well, you do have time. You don't take time every day to get up seeking his face, crying out to Jesus, studying his word. You're not walking with Jesus at all. You got time and energy and wherewithal to do everything else except follow Jesus. And so you're not going to heaven. You're not walking with him. You're backslidden. There are not a few, but many adversaries, the Bible said. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, Paul said, and there are many adversaries, all born-again believers, who are presently abiding or remaining in Christ or exclusively going to be with Christ. Jesus said that if you endure to the end, you're going to be saved. He says if you don't, John 15, 6, if you don't abide, you don't continue with him, you are going to be cast into the fires. Interesting that the little once saved, always saved charlatans never speak of that verse. Uh-uh, they want to isolate certain verses to the exclusion of the whole description. That's how they deceive you, and you are deceived because you're not studying the Word of God yourself and questioning it. That's the problem. Okay, you're following men. If you weren't, you'd be out of those false Babylonian churches because they're lying to you. Now, they're going to go crazy and overuse John 10, but they're never going to refer to John 15, 6, where Jesus says, if you don't abide, that means remain and continue in me. You're going to be cast into the fire. That means hell. But they're going to read John 10, 28, 29, and I give unto them. 
These are the words of Jesus. But we're going to read the context here. We're going to read verse 28 and 29. Then we're going to read what comes before those two verses. And if you're dead set on being a little once saved, always saved coward, you might want to turn this off because I'm getting ready to blow up your little party because it's a lie. It's a sham. And I give unto them, who's them? Well, we'll see in a minute. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. But who's he talking to? Context, folks. Let's start in the verse right before what I just read. Verse 27. My sheep. Uh Uh-oh. He's talking about a sheep. What do they do? How do we know who is sheep? Here it is. My sheep hear my voice. Continual tense, by the way. They didn't hear it in the past so much as they hear it. They still hear it. They're walking with him. They're abiding. John 15. You can't splinter Jesus's teaching. You can't run around siphoning what you want to be the truth and come out walking in the full counsel truth of God. You got to study it all and see how it's knit together and rightly dividing it, never dismissing any of it. That's the only way you're going to have the correct kingdom picture, kingdom of Christ, is if you study honestly, organically, that is without the influence of wicked men and thoroughly. You study the word of God. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? Follow me. It's current tense, present tense, folks. And it's to them that I give eternal life. And they, those that have been born again and are currently abiding in Christ, they're following him. They're hearing his voice. They're never going to perish. No man can pluck them. That is those that are presently following me out of my hand. Very clear. When you look at the text, John 10, 27, through 29. Now, just five chapters up the road on it. Again, Jesus says, he's speaking about abiding in him. It's essential. He says in verse six of John 15, if a man abide, that means continues. If he abide not, if he doesn't continue in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. I'm not arguing with the Son of God. I'm going to take him at his word. What about you? Again, this is Satan's first lie irrefutably. And anybody teaching it is a agent of Satan. Doesn't matter how wonderful he seems to be. He's a liar and a devil. Most Christians have been weakened in their resolve via Satan's first lie, which is peddled today under the cliches of once saved, always saved, and eternal security. This unconditional security heresy removes the holy fear of God from the hearts of those who allow it and lowers their guard and their resistance against sin, leading always to sin. Folks, we already know how strong the flesh is and how It rages against the Holy Spirit inside of us. Galatians 5, verse 17, right? About that war the scripture speaks about in the New Testament, book of Romans. Galatians, it says this, chapter 5, verse 17. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, that is, instead of the flesh, you're not under the law. Now, what does it do to you? Does it help you be led of the Spirit when you learn that, oh, I'm one, when you learn the lie that, oh, I'm once saved, there's no personal responsibility anymore, I can do whatever I want. That doesn't promote holiness, that promotes wickedness. Then he goes into the 17 words works of the flesh and says nobody doing these is going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
Then he says in verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. See, those that are walking with Jesus are doing it on his terms. They're denying themselves, taking up the cross daily and following him. That's what Jesus said you must do, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Paul says right here, And if they that are Christ, are you Christ? Let's find out right here. Have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. There it is right there. That defines the remnant. They're denying themselves, taking up the cross and following Jesus. In fact, Isaiah 37, 31, by the Holy Spirit said, speaking of the remnant, they're taking root downward. That's the cross. They're dying to self. They're crucifying the self so the Savior can reign. So he says, the remnant are taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. There it is. There's the death, burial, and resurrection right there. That's the cross. You're dead and buried, and Jesus is raising you up every day. You're not living the Christian life. You're surrendered to him, and you're abiding in him on his terms, which is the cross, denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following him. Learn the cross. We've got a daily cross category on safeguardyoursoul.com. Drop-down menu. So, This is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve when Satan told them that they would not surely die. He said they would not surely die. So it dropped their guard. It lowered their resistance. They weren't striving to stay in tune with God and walk holy. No. And what happened? It led to their fall. More proof that false prophets teach unconditional eternal security. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 17. Listen to this. This is nothing new, folks. These modern-day frauds that are ungodly men turning the grace of God into a license for sin, Jude verse 4, that we're contending against, Jude verse 3, have been around for a long time. Actually, this has been around since the piper himself, Satan in the Garden of Eden. And this is how we know his false prophets are teaching his false doctrine. The first one he ever taught and continues to teach, which has led millions of those who had once been saved to fall away. And it's doing the same today. They say still, Jeremiah writes, unto them that despise me. He's talking about the false pastors. Jeremiah 23. Read that chapter. Put on your seatbelt. That's one of the many chapters in scripture that is completely dedicated to exposing false leaders that are misrepresenting Christ and sending people to hell. Jeremiah 23, 17, speaking of false leaders, they, the false leaders, say still unto them that despise me. Notice what they tell the folks that are living in rebellion. Instead of calling them to repent, what do they tell them? The Lord has said, you shall have peace. There it is. You still have peace with God, even though you're living in sin. There's the eternal security doctrine right there. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, wicked heart, no evil. Notice what they tell them. No evil, that is no judgment, shall come upon you, unquote. Wow. There it is right there. No evil. Everything's cool. You're once saved, always saved. Jeremiah 23, 17. That's not the only time we see it for sure. Satan and his false leaders are the only ones teaching once saved, always saved, as is clear from God's word. Concerning Satan's eternal security heresy, one sister writes this. She said, this doctrine almost sent me to hell, thinking I was on my way to heaven while living in sin. It's repulsive and damning, she says. She finishes, it feeds the ego or the pride and wicked mind of man. It props him up for a great fall. It's a deadly and hellish deception. Wow, that was good, unquote. 
See, the central reason people want to believe one saved, always saved, is they don't want to die to self. They don't want the cross. But Jesus said the cross is essential, and you're not following him if you're not denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him every day. He said it's daily, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Like it or not, if you are peddling Satan's first lie, that we're exposing right here, this damnable myth of an unconditional eternal security. You are a false teacher. So imagine the truth with me for just a minute. Notice the bowels of eternal damnation, that is hell, are chock full, is chock full of eternally vanquished, irrevocably departed, consciously and forever suffering souls who once had the same opportunity you and I now have on earth temporarily. See, when you die, it's all over. It is appointed on the men once to die, but after this, to judgment. Hebrews 9.27. See, as a tree falls, so shall it lie. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes. In Revelation 22.11, we see the same. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. That is, when you die. If you die unjust, you're going to be in an unjust place. That's hell. When you die, that's where you're going. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. God's going to freeze frame what you die in. If you die in sin, you're going to hell and you're going to be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. You're going to glory if you die righteous. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. That's Revelation 22, 11. Also Ezekiel 18, for the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Die means be separated from. If you die in sin, you're going to hell. Also in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. Separation, that is. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Also, Ezekiel 33, 12 and 13. This is a blockbuster passage. Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Wow. You can't live on past righteousness. God requires you walk by faith and abide in him now. If you're not abiding in him now, anything you did in the past is futility. The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Remember we talked about keeping no list with God? As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. He repents, neither Shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth? When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, in other words, you're saved. If he trusts to his own righteousness after that and commit iniquity, all his righteousnesses that God gave him, I might add, shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. Clear as could be. There is no and will never be a release date from the incarceration of this righteous justice of the Almighty, that is, in the prison of eternal fire. Yet, even though many of those who now occupy hell got initially saved, they chose to deny Christ instead of self in their daily lives. And let me just say this, friend, either you're crucifying self or self is crucifying Christ out of your life and you got sin in your life and you're separated from God, but you think you're saved because you did get saved in the past. And by the way, oh, you go to church. There's no requirement to go to church, folks. He said, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. 
And he said, where two or more are gathered. These modern day go to churches are apostate. And if you don't realize that yet, it's because you're not in the word of God and you're not walking circumspectly with a pure heart before the Lord. They, therefore, we continue in this as we come to a close here in just a minute. They, therefore, ran out of fuel like the five foolish virgins, those that got saved and didn't continue. They had the door of the bridal chamber of Christ, the bridegroom, shut on them right in their face. As we mentioned earlier, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, millions now irrevocably occupy hell, horribly consciously suffering with no end ever. Many of these helpless, tormented souls were in their earthly life saved by Jesus and yet chose not to endure to the end, to abide in Christ, to remain in a fellowship, vital union with him. And you can't do that while you're living in sin. But the Bible says, he that abideth in him sinneth not. If you live in a sin, you're not abiding in him. First John 3, 5 and 6. Argue with it if you want. I'm not joining you. Better yet, shut up, repent, and go on a fast. Your life is over. Let Christ reign. So just as Jesus promised, they were cast into the fires of eternal damnation as soon as they die. Died like the rich man in Luke 16. In fact, their sufferings are even worse than if they had never known Christ, as we read earlier. Any person teaching an unconditional eternal security is a messenger of hell. Rebuke them sharply is what the Bible says concerning false teachers, Titus 1.13. If they don't repent, run from them and expose them to protect others. These are the foolish virgins of Jesus' parable who chose to deny Christ for the cares and the riches and pleasures of this fleeting world, to think about and to coddle a false god, the false god of self. Upon awaking in their mornings, they freely chose those now in hell. They chose all kinds of other stuff. They deliberately chose to read the newspaper, to check their email, to check their social media. They didn't have time for Jesus. They had to watch the news. They didn't have time for the good news, who is Jesus and his word. You see, there's all the cause and effect. They freely chose not to fill their vessels, like the foolish virgins, with God's word and spirit by fellowship with the Lord. And they will never cease to suffer conscious torment for it. The lake of fire lies ahead for them because death and hell are going to be cast into the lake, the ocean of fire. It means it's going to get even worse. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. When a billion years of earth's time has passed, not even one second will have expired from eternity's time clock. Is it really worth it, friend? Is it really worth it? You are going to choose. Everyone is. Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. No one else can choose for you or me. It's an individual thing. God holds us accountable. Book of Ezekiel teaches that also. Fathers will not be held accountable for their children, and the children will not be held accountable for the decisions of their father. And may the Lord Almighty figuratively dip your soul, if that's what it takes, in the bowels of hell to give you horrible dreams of what lies ahead. May he have mercy on you and instill in you the holy fear of God. May he shake you to the core of your being before it's too late. Run for your life, beloved, from every so-called preacher who refuses to preach on the cross, on holiness, on repentance, on hell run from them as fast as you can. And notice Jesus said his work is finished. John 19, 30, it is finished. He didn't say your work was finished. No, your work is to believe on him and the father that has sent him according to John, I believe it's six twenty nine. 
You are taking Christ's words out of context when you say, it is finished, and that means I have no participation needed or required or desired in this relationship I have with Jesus. I just want to live whatever. I, I want to do whatever I want to do and still go to heaven. You are totally deceived and need to get saved. The one who died on the cross for your sins also commanded you to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. That's what saving grace looks like, not escaping all responsibility, but running to Christ, serving Christ honestly and never evading what he said in the full counsel of it. You see, the same Savior who died on the cross for our sins, saying it is finished, commanded you also. See, they want to divorce themselves from the scriptures that require that they lay down their life and follow Jesus. And that's what they're doing. But that's not what the life of the true believer actually looks like. The harshest of biblical truth is the delicacy, the delight of the true disciple of Jesus. He runs to all of it and never from it. He embraces the cross, never evading it. He delights in the sword of the spirit that cuts to the core and carves the image of Christ into his life, into the fabric, the innermost core of who he is in Christ. He's being made conformable unto Christ and his death. Christ and Christ alone is his sole identity, and he counts not his life dear unto himself in this fleeting world, so that he is able to finish his course with great joy. Paul said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Notice, kept the faith. Jesus said, Revelation 2, 26, he that overcometh, now he's promising this church, these are the people of God, that they have to overcome. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nation. See, Jesus requires that you finish out your relationship with him on earth. Overcome. Keep his works to the end. You're going to have power over the nation. You're going to rule and reign with him. In other words, you're going to be with him like the five wise virgins. Somebody says, wait a minute. Jesus said, keepeth my works to the end? Yeah. Are you going to accuse the son of God that you claim saved you as being a work salvation legalist? No, man. Rightly divide the whole word of truth. The works aren't going to save you. The faith and the worship and loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is going to cause there to be the fruit of good works in your life. Remember, we're saved by grace through faith, and we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You see, friends, as we close, this OS. A-S, that means once saved, always saved, eternal security, unconditional myth of eternal security is an absolute scam. The lascivious, once saved, always saved devils tell others that God requires nothing at all from them after he saves them. That's like a husband and wife getting married and one of them just says, well, that's it. There's no corresponding following action or participation that I'm taking in this. How long do you think that marriage is going to last? It's not going to last at all. Ridiculous. Yet we think God's just going to sit back and let us do anything we want in that relationship that we're supposed to have with him instead of abiding in him, John 15. That is, engaging in an intimate relationship with him in that vital union that brings forth all of his blessing. Folks, this is clearly a false gospel. It's another gospel. And those that are preaching it are accursed, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. In his word, the Lord gives us initial and ongoing personal responsibilities, which if those responsibilities, those conditions are not met, 
one loses all, Jesus commands those he saves to abide in him. And if you don't, you're going to be cast into the fires of eternal damnation. God bless you, friends. Glad we had these moments together. I pray that the holy fear of God would consume your life and bless you because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. I believe that's Proverbs fourteen twenty seven. So many other benefits of the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Book Acts nine thirty one that await you, beloved. God bless you, man. I want to encourage you to get into God's word every day, to obey it. Let the word of God get into you by getting into it. Pray that God will help you be kept in the love of God, that you would endure to the end and please him, and you would be one with him and the Father. You would abide in Christ and enjoy every blessing that he has reserved for you as you meet the conditions, and he holds you responsible to do such. Again, glad we had these moments together. Please keep the ministry in prayer for greater and greater fruitfulness and also for supply. You might be surprised at how few people support this work. We're so thankful for those that do, and we can do a whole lot more. There's so many things going on. It's amazing. God is good. We just had a lady saved this week. It happens all the time that people are being discipled. In fact, while I started recording this message, our good brother Jeremy, who got saved about six months ago from the website, he called me and then he got saved over the phone. Incredible. Just look up the word Jeremy in the search box on safeguardyoursoul.com. I got to call him back here in a minute. But we are continuing to have fellowship with these people. Got Luigi in Australia got Stephen in Alabama. These are just recent people that got saved and are growing in the grace of Christ and have learned from the start to get in the word every day to seek the Lord and to take up the cross and follow Jesus, to trust no man, to trust the Bible saying, let God be true and every man a liar like the apostle Paul, Romans 3, 4. And again, this week, a dear lady named Layla got saved. When I asked her if she had prayed the prayer, because she lives in another country and somehow had contacted me, and I asked her, did you read the page I sent her? That's the Peace with God page on safeguardyoursoul.com. She says, yes, I did. I said, did you pray the prayer? She goes, yes, I did. And Jesus Christ is Lord. She started ministering to me. Apparently, the Lord saved her. Amen. God is good. God bless you, friends. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several, many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting, and feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.